Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Tip Sheet Podcast. As always, I'm your host, John, also known as 4020. Joining me for a special edition of the uh, Tip Sheet is my good mate, 60s. Always a pleasure to have you on, big fella. And yeah, really looking forward to the chat we're about to have. Yes, mate, I'm really looking forward to this. It's a uh, one-off chat that we're doing in a little bit of a catch-up with a a good mate of TCTs. Um, And can also at this stage um, just do a special thanks as well to the Eels. Uh, they they sent a, a jersey out to my family uh, following the passing of uh, my father just a, a short while ago, and that was much appreciated. I've, I put the photo up on our social media, uh, but I just also wanted to do a little bit of a shout-out to the Eels and to Tamara for just the really uh, lovely words and um, the condolences that they attached in the card as well. It was um, it's something that's going to go into a into a nice frame and find a special place in the house. So um, thanks again to the club for that. And uh, also, uh, whilst thanking, thanks also to the sponsors of the tip sheet: Star Partners Real Estate, Auburn, Norellan and Parramatta, and of course Big Swing Golf at Northmead makes the podcast and everything that we do on the Cumberland Throw possible. Yeah, well said, mate. And on that note, I'll let you introduce the special guest for this episode. Well, John, as you know, Rugby League has its fans all around the world. And even in the market in America, there was uh, there's plenty of NRL fans. We got to chat with one of those who's not just a fan of the NRL and Rugby League. He's also a fan of the Parramatta Reels. His name is Ron Greep. We... As I said, we've spoken to him before. We're now going to catch up with him to have a chat about the 2023 season, what might, what he thinks lies ahead for the Eels next year, and some excitement around the Las Vegas trip. Ron, good to catch up with you again, mate. Good to talk to you guys. Uh, thank you for having me on your show again. Always a pleasure, mate. For sure. Now, mate, just um, leading on from that introduction, as a supporter who's relatively new to rugby league and the Eels, this season just gone would be your first experience in following an unsuccessful Eels season. How did that impact you on, uh, on how you followed the game in 2023? Um, for example, did you find yourself being a lot more critical than you had been in uh, previous seasons following Para? Um, <clears throat> um, did it change anything? I'd say no. Um, it was pretty much the same. Like I'd have to, as I explained in the last podcast, uh, the games would come on between 11 p.m. to 3 in the morning, so my routine was just make sure I'm not on my phone in the morning or if I worked late not to go on my phone and just watch in the morning with my coffee and breakfast and all that. So my normal routine was pretty much the same, even despite all the losing and the inconsistency. So in that regard, no, even though they're losing, it stunk, but that stuff stayed the same. Um, it almost made me want to watch more than before because, like, you know this team has a lot of talent. They were just in the grand final before, so it wasn't like I was displeased or – there was all these promises or uh, expect like there was these expectations, but it just, it was too early at the beginning when they did win those uh, first three or four games, if I remember correctly to stop watching. Cause they were close in every game. It wasn't like they were getting blown out, but yeah, like I said, no, nothing really changed in that regard. Uh, becoming more critical. 
Um, I'd say like a little bit of yes and no. Uh, yes, so I can see I because now I can kind of see in my third full season of watching uh, the NRL, let alone the Eels, I can kind of understand what's going on more and more in developing which players are making a big impact. Like I think, like I said prior, um, when Forties uh, does all the stats after a game, I don't realize that. Uh, like the big men, uh, Balo and RCG or the forwards, Madison, they're, uh, they're like getting like almost 150 meters a game. And like, when you watch it, maybe you don't realize that in real time and just how much of an impact they are. And then, you know, with the different guys leaving the eels and the bench players, you're seeing which guys made an impact before and now and that those kinds of things. So like, it's something I did notice more and I was more critical of who's making the impact or not an impact or what we need to do differently. Um, I'm still a tad bit hesitant to comment on uh, defensive play because I need to maybe uh, as more time goes on as it has, like I'm gradually getting better, but the defense, it's just hard for me to grasp when like the wing or center crashes in and then that dude sees it coming and just, you know, passes it to his left or right and there's an open space and they score. You know, obviously I think it's called the slide defense. I need to see like someone draw it up on a blackboard or something and and tell me what's supposed to happen because I try my hardest not to like comment on Facebook or hate X guy or, you know, like, gosh, darn it. Why did you, but like, I don't know enough in that regard. Cause I didn't grow up playing to understand why he's doing that at this exact time. And while he's doing that, they know it's open. What's supposed to happen after that. So part of that, I got, I, I'm starting to get a little bit more critical with it. Um, but I mean, I mean more critical. It's just, I'm paying attention more, but nothing's changed. I think probably what's going, what you'll enjoy is and I'm jumping ahead a little bit because um, uh, you will be going to see some live NRL games, which we'll get on to. Um, right. But when you are able to watch the game live and you're seeing the full field and you're mm-hmm. watching the defensive decisions of all the players in the line and seeing how defensive decisions of players further infield can Cascading impact the defensive decision. Mm-hmm. As as it slides across, because you have a lot of a uh, lot of def- a lot of the teams employ um, a slide defence, so mm-hmm. it's sort of like up and slide to um, uh, towards the wings, and what happens out wide, the winger it can often be impacted by what those players on the inside of them uh, are, are deciding to do. So yeah, you once you start to see that from a whole field perspective, it's going to be amazing the difference that that will make to your understanding of the game compared to seeing the television coverage. Because, I mean, rugby league's a a great game for television because it's the action is all around the ball in terms of what what can be be, uh, covered on television. But seeing it live also gives you that broader perspective of what's happening off the ball and uh, defensive de- decisions that are made as part of a, of a of a system. So I think you're really going to enjoy that. You're probably going to come away from it with um, a bit more of an understanding and appreciation of um, the systems employed in a game and individual decisions and how they impact the whole line. For sure. Uh, one of the things I did uh, during the final series when I was watching the games uh, – because I've heard this term used multiple times in the last 
three years is shapes. And I'm starting to realize what those are. It's how the players are setting up before they make, uh, start doing their passes and decoys and all those types of things. So like I was watching uh, a video on it. I think it was a rugby video, not a rugby league, but I think it's all in the same vein. I believe, I hope I'm correct in that, but it was like a bird's eye view with players. And then they use like a little graphic with dots as they like went up the field. And I'm starting to see these things like, uh, 60s just mentioned like the coverage and the camera angles are literally on the ball which is cool in a sense like they zoom out when a guy breaks away but i i don't like this when they when the guys tackled they zoom in on them and then when the uh you know, the dummy half throws the ball sometimes in between there someone breaks away or misses a tackle and you don't see that or like you see the guy pass and another pass or what it might be and then you you, you kind of miss out on what just had happened because you're so zoomed in on like where the play the ball is and I, I just, I don't, I'm not a fan of that. But I mean, if that's the one thing I dislike, I think, <laughs> I think I'll be okay while watching going forward. But it'd be cool, kind of how like you watch an NFL game, you see the both sides of the ball, most of the players, and then the quarterback. And after that, you see it kind of broken down. But it'd be cool to see a more zoomed out version of the play the ball so I can see however many players on the left or right of that guy. And I can see why he's passing this way, or maybe I can see a shape forming up yeah, and why this passes, you know, that would be my only gripe on my TV viewership of watching a game. Yeah. But the the NRL has got I'm, nothing like all 22 in the NFL where you can see the full field and uh, yeah, see how free safeties right. are playing the QB and whatnot. Um, when you're at the mm-hmm. game, obviously you have that benefit with rugby league. You can see how the fullback is defending and how those, you know, shapes offensively and defensively yeah. are, are forming. So you'll enjoy that a lot. And the other thing I think with the live footy sixties is, uh, the sheer physicality. Uh, obviously, you see the big hits on TV and you go, oh my God. But the mm-hmm. actual collisions on a sort of set-for-set basis, some of the noises you hear, it's a pretty uh, like, oh my God, it's like a car crash. So you'll enjoy that mm-hmm. as well. Um, now, Sixty's got you on your thoughts about the Parramatta Reels, but I want to canvas you on your broader thoughts on the 2023 NRL season. The standard, the performances of particular teams. We had the Penner Freepeat. Um I know that in Australia there was a lot of noise about how competitive it was for a lot of the teams that have sort of been outside that inner circle, inside the top eight, top six. How did you see it as someone coming from in, you know, an American point of view? Um, yeah, that was – so during the season uh, with the app that I use that's uh, based through Fox, I get a lot of the, your guys' uh, sports media channels. So the number one show that I watched out of all of them was NRL 360. And watching those guys, they would also harp on um, how – close the competition was throughout all the teams early on, obviously when only, you know, you're losing one or two games, no one really knows who's good or not, but throughout the season, it was a pretty tight other than uh, the uh, dragons and the tigers. Those teams obviously kind of weren't so good. And I'm trying to say that respectfully, obviously the tigers beat the Panthers, which is pretty cool. You can win on any quote, any given Sunday, as yeah. they say, but, uh, but uh, excuse me. Yeah, it was, it was close all throughout the season. There really wasn't too many blow, blowout games. Maybe you can count on one hand the t- uh, how many were you could consider blowouts. It was all very competitive. Um, I really liked it, and you mentioned specific teams. So m- one of my goals was, in my second year of watching last season, was to or not this season, that just ended the one before, was to watch other teams and learn more players on the other teams and what makes those teams good, and I think I really have a good grasp of who's on what teams, uh, more players that are on each team that's not just the key superstar guys like the second third tier guys and it was cool to see those players and understand it at a more full grasp of each team and watching them and why they're good and why these guys maybe aren't as good um the teams that stood out to me that i like to watch were the knights i just thought when they were fully healthy they were they were just really fun to watch you got Ponga, 
Bradman, that Dominic Young is a freak. Dom, uh, Dom is a very talented player, yeah. Off to dude, the Roosters. That guy. And, uh, yeah, that's right, he is. And then, uh, oh, shoot, what's his name? Jack Hastings. Uh, gag guy. That team was really fun for me to watch at full strength, and it just showed how different they were when uh, Kalen was there and when he wasn't. Because my first couple of years, you hear about this guy, you see him advertised, you see his graphics everywhere and stuff. And I'm like, for me, in this short time frame over the last three, four years, I haven't seen a lot of him because he's been injured. The whole concussion thing was humongous, which is kind of crazy that he won the uh, Daily M, even though there was a controversial thing there with uh, Johnson. But he still played crazy good despite everything. Um, another team I like to watch was the Dolphins. Even though they were a new team, those what was it, the first five weeks? People were like, they're doing incredibly better than anyone ever expected, and everyone thought they'd win one game or whatever it was. So it was cool to see all those players from different teams come to this one team with zero expectations and play pretty well. And uh, just their little journey, they kind of tailed off there towards the end, unfortunately, but they kind of became my sleeper second favorite team there. Just, just in the watching aspect, like, wow, these guys played really hard, really well. And I learned a lot about uh, Wayne Bennett, who I had never heard of in before that. Um, maybe you so that just was- have Ron, maybe you just have an affinity with sea creatures. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, maybe that's what it is. Um, yeah, right. That's funny. Um, so that was pretty cool just to see that. And uh, I think I know who my second favorite pl- uh, player is after uh, Clint Gutherson. Uh, that's not an eel player. Is uh, I'm going to butcher his name. Habuai Tibu. Oh, what a great Fido. pick, the hammer. Yeah, he is electric. Dude, he is my outside the eels forget the eels exist out of out of those guys man he is so he got those better at defense hands down than this guy but when it comes to playing uh offense or attack as, as yeah. we're supposed to call it um he is gutho with the speed if gutho yeah, when, I, I guess he had a knee injury way back when so that is that's my guy dude i love watching that when dude. when you see a guy that makes other fast guys look not fast as that uh, i think it's a movie <laughs> quote goes they're always so much fun to watch and the hammer makes it look oh so God. easy he he just glides yes, he does. Yeah, he's a mm-hmm. stellar yeah, athlete. Just call, him, just call him the hammer, Ron. That's the easiest way of. Uh, I like his celebration. He has yeah, like the, the yeah, the, the tri- his, his tribal celebration. Like, yeah, dude, yeah. I loved it. Um, I'm sorry to keep interrupting. No, you. No, 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 that's I, all right. Well, that's why you're on here to talk about your experience. So, <laughs> and from what you said, um, I've already got a few things I want to pick apart because you've given us some great insight. Oh yeah, I just this is just I want I don't get to talk about this with anybody, so I I have I have it all bent, p- built up. I wrote this stuff down. I want to be prepared and not give you a uh, uh, uh. so uh, another team I didn't watch as much, and for the reason was and it's gonna surprise you because of the end result here. I didn't really watch the Warriors a whole lot this season because last year and the year before they're kind of poor. They weren't very good, and then this year they kind of surprised everybody. Everyone was pretty like, oh, these guys are pretty good. They're pretty good, pretty good. You know, they're all right. And then as the season went on, obviously. You know, it turned out these guys are a wagon. Like they're legit. They're they're not a joke. This team is could possibly win it all. And uh, that dude on the wing, I have his name written down here. Uh, what is his name? Dallin Wentonai Zelesniak. That dude might have the best hair. Got a head and shoulders contract coming his way. Right. So I wish I watched. I watched them more towards the end of the season. So those and part of that also was kind of interesting to see like how a team and go complete 180 into being better uh, from the year before. And like I said, 180 teams that kind of, again, specific teams that surprised me watching were the Cowboys just because of how dominant they were. And then they're kind of up and down similar to the Eels this past season. And their team, as I can remember, was relatively the same. Uh, the Bulldogs, they're kind of a big story, you know, 
they had a different story every other week, I felt like, this season. Because they added players, and you look at their roster, and you're like, all right, they're going to be tough. And then they just kind of stunk most of the year with, you know, inconsistent play. And from what I understand with this next team, the Roosters, they have a huge history in the NRL and rugby league in, in itself. And I don't, I'd have to look it up, but they have, like, a crazy amount of champion or premierships. And for them to play kind of poorly this year, and they, I believe they squeaked into the, the playoffs – um, just again, just interesting to see what I know and seeing these dominance or this type of style. And then, and like real quick, they just were playing poorly and you have the best player, quote unquote, or the second best player in Tedesco, not playing so well. And the people around him and then that whole controversy, not controversy, but the whole thing with the fullback, I forgot what his name, not the fullback, the uh, halfback Sw- uh, Walker Walker. Yeah. 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 Him yeah. Being in and out of the team and then getting back into the team. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's just kind of the different dynamics and, when you think a guy was so good, it's like, oh, this 18-year-old, 19-year-old dude's like going to be the future, and all of a sudden he gets benched three years in. It's just, I guess that happens in sports, but when you're starting that young, people think it's crazy when he gets benched at like 20 years old. It's like, this guy has like another 10, 12 years realistically to play at his best, at best athleticism. Um, before I get on to the Panthers, uh, I think the Broncos were a super, 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 super fun team to watch because you see teams, do- the Panthers dominate every year I've watched, and then I believe in 2020, did they go to, they went to the finals and they lost and that's when I really wasn't paying attention to everybody pretty much and to see another team go basically toe to toe and basically match competitiveness and skill and youth and like well these guys can like dominate them and just to see the how that grand final game was holy moly like that was crazy and I wanted them to win for obvious reasons but then also just to see like someone beat these guys uh, super fun team those guys are going to be good for the next 10 years if they can keep their core um, and then to go to the final part of that question with this, just the Panthers three Pete, um, you got to give it to them because it'd be different if they were just a bunch of, you know, bad dudes that squeaked their way in. No, they dominated the whole season. They had a great comeback in the grand final. It was probably one of the top three, uh, even being new to this sport, it was probably one of the top three sporting event games I have ever watched. Like, cause I, I don't want to spoil, uh, my, the results of these games, even the grand final, I have to like be sneaky with my phone and updates and everything. And I went through my emails and I got this, uh, there's that team store. It's called what's your team. I think it's based in Queensland. I get some of my merch from there and I get emails. Uh, and one of them said like three Pete Panthers or something like that. And I was like, maybe it's just an advertisement. And then I ended up watching the game a handful hours later and I'm watching the Broncos win the majority of that second half and what the score was. I'm like, Oh, that must've been just a, advertisement i didn't spoil it let's go broncos <laughs> then nathan cleary said not so fast and he just changed the freaking game yeah. um, one of the all-time was, yeah all-time crazy. second halves yeah for all-time 20 minutes really just the final quarter of yes. play completely took over that game it was awesome yeah it was awesome to see it so i'm putting the panthers here um i haven't been alive for very long when it comes to sports but um, in my lifetime, I was born in 95, the Chicago Bulls, 90s. That's probably one of the greatest teams of all time, mm-hmm. obviously. And then you got the early 2000s Patriots uh, and, you know, a little bit 2010s with the Patriots there, but that dominance and Tom Brady. And now I think right behind them are the Penrith Panthers. I think maybe I might be missing someone or something there, but I have never seen a pure dominance in my sporting uh, viewership and everything like that since I've been alive. And 
it's sad that a lot of people outside of Australia don't know how good to see that. I don't want to keep praising the Panthers here, but you just, <laughs> I, I, I appreciate, I appreciate yeah, well, how good they are because there's a reason they're a three-peat champ. Yeah, legitimate dynasties are rare in professional sports. And unfortunately, the Penrith Panthers are exactly that with their three-peat and also making a fourth grand final before that as well. So, yes. uh, yeah, an all-time team, no doubt. And, yeah, it's as a Parramatta fan, it's very frustrating. We timed our run to being a very good team, not a not an incredible team, the same time that the Panthers decide to have a dynasty because I think the Eels, in a, in a sort of a vacuum, could win a premiership most times, uh, you know, be, mm-hmm. but we had our 22, 2022 run in the same period that the Panthers decided to be an all-time great team. So it's that's how sports yeah. goes, though. Yeah, for sure. It's interesting that um, the, the Panthers, I mean, it's – it's going to be hard to tip against them next year, even though they're losing a couple of players. But, um, it, you know, it's it's going to be interesting to see how the Broncos go without a couple of key players. Yeah, Farnworth, well. Flegler. Um, I'm not sure who else they're losing, but that's a, a key piece in both the forward, uh, forward pack and the back line. Yeah, Ooh. and, and, um, and at, at a time when... Look, I, I, I mean, I, I'm going to get... Um, on to your thoughts about the, the Eels going forward. But I think it's an interesting time for the Eels because for some strange reason, we continue to compete with the Panthers in in the regular <laughs> round matches um, in a way that no other team seems to be able to, to do. So, uh, yeah, it is a, it is a strange time, as, as John said. And, and just with regard to dynasties, I mean, you've, you've probably read enough about the Eels dynasties in the uh, in the early eighties, where mm-hmm. uh, from from eighty one to eighty six, it was the three peat, and then the and then a uh, a lost grand final in eighty four, uh, preliminary final in eight in eighty five, and then another grand final in eighty six, um, and it all that actually had followed on from making the finals every year from 75, including two grand finals in 76 and 77, and only missing the 80s final by one point, but winning the, the midweek competition that used to exist then. Now, I'm old enough that I saw that period of time, and it's obviously it's etched in my memory. Uh, 40's a bit too young um, for to have been around during that, that era, um, but I can't imagine what it must have been like to have been a rugby league follower when the Dragons won 11 in a row. Holy shit. Oh, excuse me. <laughs> That's all right. That's all right. That is a bit of a, yeah, it was a different era, different rules uh, right. if, uh, in terms of possession and the offside. So uh, it was more akin to rugby union than rugby league, you know, now, uh, but it was still mm. very much rugby league in other forms. But yeah, the, the, the Dragons of that era were. Uh, very, very special. And like 60 said, it's, it is very difficult to even begin to uh, sort of qualify or quantify what a, a fan would have felt, you know, because you talk about getting used to success, but if your team wins 11 straight, do, do you actually get bored of winning? Like, I, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's and and um, I think, what was it, 56 to 66 that they won? Um, and it was uh, like they, they literally had to change the rules of rugby league. Like, it was unlimited tackles mm-hmm. uh, back then, and I think in '67 they introduced a four tackle rule. So mm-hmm. we've got the six tackle rule now. They their their first um, dip into that was four tackles, which was just far too short to have 
uh, possession. And as John said, there was a whole lot of different rules around the game. Uh, I think they played under a three-yard rule rather than 10 metres uh, back then. Scrums were contested. There was a whole range of different rules that were then. Plus, it was basically um, uh, anything goes out on the field. So all a lot of the things that you see with penalties for high shots and, and things like that, um, uh, punching, <laughs> a whole range of things. It was uh, There was a lot that was let go. Basically, they used to have what they'd call the softening up period in a game where it was almost like the referee would turn a bit of a blind eye to um, the forwards sorting, sorting things out. Uh, out on the field, you know, they if someone got in a shot on a on a player, they'd often let the the player get his shot back at some point. Um, okay. So it was it was just a it was just a different era of um, of of football. It was a real um, it was almost like a, I won't say it was like a, a boxing match with football, but you know there were things that went on in the game that were considered part of the game that now would probably earn you half a season sitting on the sidelines. So, yeah. um, you know, probably now rugby league is far more of a spectacle and is, mm-hmm. uh, is skill-based. And it wasn't that it was devoid of skill back then, but there was a lot of brutality in the game. I guess maybe the way that ice hockey's accept, accepts its brutality. Um, yeah. it was, I guess rugby league was a little bit like that, you know, and, uh, and especially mm-hmm. or- and, and even then, after we came out of that era, Origin was allowed. Origin yeah, was, was allowed, allowed to be, be like that. a different beast. Yeah, yeah. The, I mean, when they talk about when they have the the comical cry of "Bring back the Biff," it was it was because you know standing up and going toe to toe with someone was uh, was sort of an, an expectation that it's going to happen at some time in a game. And if you threw a punch, you wouldn't get you wouldn't get sent off the field. If you if you clock someone from behind maybe you might but two blokes going toe to toe they'd eventually separate them but you know it'd be you know it was just seemed to be an accepted part of the game but anyway we'll move on because I want to know as an Eels supporter whether you were able to take any positives out of this past season um there was excuse me there there was a couple things there's really not a whole lot um unfortunately um, one of the things I know I, that happened, excuse me, one of the things I'll take as a positive for the most part, as it stands today, as we're speaking, most of the core of the team is staying. Uh, some names I wrote down that are obviously key is Gutho, Mitch, uh, uh Dylan Brown, Sivo, Balo, RCG and Penasini. Right now, I think those guys are the most crucial right now. I know we re-signed, uh, Carwright and he played crazy good and I, it was honestly unfortunate to see how much non-recognition he got because he's playing a four position. And I mean, I'm, me watching through a TV, he doesn't look like the typical uh, forward body compared to Ryan Madison. So for him to play as well as he did in those positions was really awesome. And to resign him is key. Um, so, and, and the thing is we, we basically have the same team for the most part as the year before uh, the grand final season. Um, so we have the ability to be good. It's not like we lost a bunch of, we, we lost guys, but it wasn't like we lost everybody where we look completely different, like a facelift. So we have the ability to be good. We have the team to do it. Um, so there's those takeaways. We just, the biggest thing is uh, consistency. That's, that's the biggest thing is consistency. We lost those first four or five games, six games, whatever it was. There was that, that kind of terrible stretch there at the beginning. 
we never we didn't get blown out if I remember everything was within like one or two scores or three points or whatever it had been so we were in every game so we have the team to do it and uh another another thing that's a positive the young talent that we got to see this year that's coming through the ranks uh for example uh Jermaine Hopgood uh the Panthers let him go and we signed him and it was one of those things like we hear all these good things from him about him and it's like well this guy's a mini yao or yo i always forget i can't pronounce that dude's name yo uh and he basically lived up to the hype in a rookie season i don't think he was classified as a rookie but a full-time starter you know we, we there's positives and we were glad to have signed him and it's like well good thing we scooped him up uh from the panthers so there's a good outlook on him brandon hands or brendan hands we don't we lost reed Monty, so it's like well now who's going to be the number nine and then we had uh Oh my God, I'm blanking on his name. The dude, what was his name that we had at the beginning of the season? Josh Hodgson. Josh Hodgson. Hodgson. Yeah, we had him, and it was like, okay, we got this veteran guy who I believe is considered at in this was like the second best, uh, if not the best, uh, dummy half for majority of his career. And it, but he's at the back half, and he ended up getting hurt, and he had injury history and all this stuff. It's like, well, now who is going to play? This was possibly foreseeable. And then Brendan Hands comes, and he just plays consistent. Uh, didn't p- overplay his hand. Uh, he just played well. He was, he was consistent and he's only going to get better with more experience and more experience is going to make him better. He's going to make him take those chances, uh, running the ball, making possibly getting a, a kicking game started. So there's positives in that, even though we do have Joey Lustig, which is nice. Now we have depth. We have a young guy who we know we can trust. And then we have a guy who has a lot of experience who I was actually uh, sad to see leave a couple seasons ago. Um, we Greg. I didn't, I'll be honest. I didn't have a lot of expectations for him when I first, when he was first coming up just because of how he ran and his size, but he proved me completely wrong and he played super well and it sucked uh, when he got hurt at the time he did. Cause he was so hot whenever he did come into the game. And so I'm, I, I'm excited for a, a healthy season from him with more playing time. Um, and then Luca Moretti, who I didn't really not in a negative vein, more or less how I had of Greg Moretti. I just didn't really know anything about. He was this new South Wales player who had, you know, he's making, he's putting in minutes. He's filling in for guys who are suspended or injured and he, uh, he played really well, and if he's going to be a staple on the bench, then that's a really good bench piece to have because I think he filled in at the number 13 spot, which is really good to have that depth. You know, just I think, and we'll get into in the later questions that we'll have here about depth and where the Eels should go, I think big man, uh, big man on the roster isn't going to be an issue when it comes to depth and uh, our focal point when someone goes down because we have a lot of key pieces even though we lost uh, uh, Andrew, or, yeah, Davey. So... There's only a handful of things. We, we know we're good. So that's what keeps me positive. We have the talent. Uh, most of our key players and core are there. And uh, the biggest thing was like, well, the Eels don't have anyone to replace these guys that they left. They lost this guy, this guy, this guy. Well, we do have people coming up that prove that they can be NRL players. And on the back of that, given that we do have a core of talent that actually says in the finals consistently, one of the more divisive topics among Eels fans was what was exactly were the contributing factors to why we failed to make the postseason. How did you see it? What what was keeping Parramatta back in 2022, uh, 2023 sorry, uh, from making the finals? Um, well, like I said, consistency. That's key because you don't see the Panthers, not trying to make this a Panthers podcast, but they make very little they mistakes the and there's mark. a reason why they have won so many games and so many uh, premierships. So consistency is number one. The second thing, and you guys talked about it all season, all podcasts, injuries and suspension. We had, I forgot what the number was at 67. 
a couple different podcasts. Like they had the most combined suspensions. I think it was like 22. And then the next yep. team had like seven less or something, something to that degree. And it really like stood out to me like, man, that is just, that's just terrible luck. And I think, you know, in all sports, all different sports, there's a lot of luck. Like every championship team didn't get there by blowing out every single team and didn't do this. Then, you know, they did this and this there's luck. There's a lot of luck that comes into it. And I feel like the Eels literally had the least amount of luck that's ever ever been had like they just nothing seemed to go their way in all those close games or this guy getting suspended or Sivo getting fined so many times then suspended and then it's just like it's such objective calls like it's just it and then Ryan Brown's situation we won't get into it but just something so unpredictable like that and now we're scrambling to find it back and uh Dejan uh ours he, he he was okay he wasn't you know just there was just so many different things that had happened, and we got rid of Jake Arthur, where he was would have been perfect in that role, and all that stuff happened. You know, there was just so many different things that happened, and and then injuries. So those are my takeaways from why they didn't make the finals: inconsistency, injuries, and the crazy amount of suspensions that went into it that didn't go our way. And uh, there's a lot of uh, bouncing of the ball in uh, rugby league, and yeah. we didn't get any bounces. Yeah, we did not. Yeah, it's like it's like literally and figuratively the ball didn't bounce the hills way in, <laughs> oh, uh, in 23 um yeah it was i i think the at the time that i that i tallied it up and it wasn't quite at the end of the season i think um towards the end of the year we'd lost i think it was 120 something weeks of um <laughs> top 30 players being either injured or suspended so obviously there was, I think, 22 rounds of suspension and the rest was injuries. It was just a horrendous um, season in that regard. And we have to hope it's not going to be like that next year. Um, mm-hmm. So do you, with all of that, and I, and I think I know what your answer is going to be, but um, if we're um, looking to turn things around, can we do that without significant changes to the current roster? Or, or, or do you think there is going to be some change that's needed, some additions? Um, do I think that uh, they can do nothing and be successful again? Uh, teeny tiny bit, yes. Because uh, Tiny bit, yes, because they have a lot of the same core. And like I mentioned before, so like they have the people to do it already. They did most of it a handful of years ago. But no, obviously there has to be major, major changes or additions, I should say. Um, I mean, the biggest thing is what their depth, they got the big men. That was one of the things a year prior. But the outside uh, back depth with the wings and the centers, that was what kind of did us in because I'm not going to rip on this dude, Waka Blake, but he obviously two years ago was like clutch with his inconsistencies, but he was more clutch than the inconsistencies. Uh, When Sivo went down and... uh, uh, Sean Russell went down that particular year. He stepped in and was a beast. Like, you're like, okay, you know what? I feel pretty good about this guy in the wing, but better, more than center. And he was just awesome. Like, when he demolished uh, Peppenhausen in that one game, and he just, his, his mullet flew back, it was awesome. Like, we got this dude that's like, all right, we're good. And then you come into this year, Russell is playing well on the wing, but, like, he's obviously not a difference maker. He's kind of like the Brandon Hands of the wing. Like, he's not going to mess anything up. He's going to do well when he's within 20 uh, meters, but he's not going to blow people away. Um, Sivo is good when he plays, but he went on that long stretch of uh, 
It's not scoring. It was crazy. He also had a lot of bad calls. What was that? Two, three weeks in a row where it's like, come on. Yeah, he had a couple of tries come back that uh, were, oh my in my mind, God, pretty clear just, tries. Yeah, yeah, that was dumb. And, uh, um, but yeah, that was the biggest thing is the outside back depth. And right now, as it stands here, we signed that, uh, was it Marty or Morgan Harper? Yes. The guy from the Seagulls. He was okay a couple years ago. Um, I don't think he played a whole lot this past season. Um, I, he's obviously not a deal breaker or the game changer where we got our guy, this is it, but he's going to give us depth. Now we have options with Bailey, Sivo, Russell, Penasini. You throw Harper in there. One of those guys goes down. You know, he's going to play. I would, I would, I would, from what I've seen, he's going to play better than how Walker did this past season, which is kind of sad to see because he completely uh, 180 in the opposite direction. We want to go in, unfortunately. Um, so we got that depth, but we need to add more. Um, I don't know all the people in the New South Wales Cup. I know uh, in that there's uh, Zach Sini, who didn't get – I don't think he got really any time this year in the NRL. And then one name that I follow on Instagram, because there was that stretch a couple years ago where he had, like, a try or two or three tries every game, it was that Matt Kamalafi. I haven't heard his name in the New South Wales Cup a whole lot. I think he kind of stayed in the, the lower ones. I forgot which ones before the yeah, other. Jersey. Yeah, Jersey Flag. yeah. That's an age. That's an age uh, restricted competition. So it's uh, for twenty one years and under. Okay. Yeah. So it'd be interesting to see if that guy uh, can get a stretch, or a start, or a stint, or just some sort of uh, playing time. See what he could do, or see if he can impress. So there's there is a little bit of depth in there, but obviously you want more experience and only have to use those younger guys if they blow you away or absolutely have to use them. So I do think that the focal point of these changes need to be the outside backs. And there is a recent name that has come up in possible trade, or as you guys say, swaps, uh, Josh Adokar, and, I, and for and they would get uh, Ryan Madison. I think that would be a perfect trade. Perfect. Perfect for both teams. I don't really care about the Bulldogs. They would have two big men in uh, kick, kick out and Ryan Madison on their edges. And we would get, and we still got Sean Lane and Cartwright. And then uh, I forgot what his name is, but the dude we got from the Sea Eagles. Uh, recently, I forgot what. Uh, uh, Kelma, sorry for getting Yes, we got him. So we have depth along with all the ple- people I mentioned in the previous questions. Um, so I don't see how we can't make that happen. I don't know how all the negotiating works with trades and swaps in the NRL, but I saw a lot of hate for that on the social medias, and I'm like, dude, like, guys, we need that. And he's like a top two, three uh, player, let alone at his position. So it is. That would be absolutely perfect. And I wrote down other. I wrote down one other name that, that I believe, if I'm looking at uh, the internet correctly, I go on that zero tackle sometimes for statistics and contracts and stuff like that. Uh, another name for this season that I believe is available is Billy Smith from the Roosters. I think he was pretty decent, and I think he's pretty young. Uh, again, more depth. Is he going to be better than Sivo? Don't think so. But, hey, we're getting depth. Maybe he beats out Bailey, and he just becomes a tr- – uh, Amazing. And we put Bailey at the wing with Penasini because Penasini ain't going over. You know, give ourselves options and chess pieces to play with differently. Um, I'll let you guys talk. And then I wrote down names for that are available uh, for the next season. Yeah, I think the um, the malware that, that's coming out is, of course, um, Phil Gould denying that Josh Adokar's free to go anywhere. But that's not un- unexpected. Uh, the storm where we were being linked with Pappenhausen has said, well, no, he's not going anywhere. Um, we understand that Billy Smith may have re-signed with the Roosters. Um, so that might be that out, out of the window. Um, mm-hmm. 
the the one that uh, the the smoke the 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 smouldering fires still uh, keeps uh, going around is that we will pick up someone from the Shire, and um, from that's the Cronulla. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember that one. So, um, yeah, which player that ends up being, um, well, I guess we'll we'll end up seeing. But um, yeah, it, it's. I think we're we're on board. I mean, for us, it, we have to get some um, some players with a bit of pace out wide. Um, you know, above all else, Ron, one of the things that if you've got depth and the players are a good quality with the depth is that they put pressure on the players that are selected in the NRL team if they're playing yeah. well at New South Wales Cup level. And they also give the coach options. So the coach can basically say to, you know, if Sivo's going through a bit of a lean patch as he did last year, the coach can go to Sivo and say, listen, Micah, um, you know, you, we really need you to lift in this area, this area, this area, um, you know, be, because, you know, player X in, in cup is, he's really putting the pressure on and I'm uh, considering giving him a run. So, you know, the coaches, obviously they give the, they, they have their KPIs for players. They talk about the things they want them to, uh, to improve in um, and, letting them know that they're under pressure for their spot and that there are genuine options is uh, is really important. And, you know, if the players that are running around in NRL, when there's no one that's in form or no one that, of significance in the grade below, they know that. They're not, mm-hmm. like, they know their, their spot's not under pressure. Um, and, it, and it might mean a difference of, you know, for only, might only... You know, because you like to think players have got pride in their own performance. Um, but that extra 5% that they might be motivated to improve by can mean all the difference in the world between, you know, games won and games lost. So, um, and, and we see that because, you know, if there wasn't such a thing as, as players being in form or out of form, we wouldn't be talking about this because we right. all know that there's, that you know, players drop in and out of form. It's It's why... Um, players might make rep teams one year and not the next year. It's it's why teams mm-hmm. might win premierships one year and not the next year, even with a, a similar core of players. So, you know, form form can be fleeting. Form can be long lasting. It's um, and that's often the difference between the players that earn huge money and players that earn middling or or, or lower level contracts. Yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah, when you mention the money, that's for sure. Uh, I've seen that with my own sports teams. Guys get paid, and it's just like, all right, well, this guy is not trying anymore. You see him get traded, or they don't resign a guy, and they go play somewhere else, and then they pop off, and it's really annoying. But uh, yeah, I mean, like you said, it, the, the you add more depth, it adds more competition, and more competition is is great. It makes everyone else better around them. It gives them motivation. Um, job security becomes uh, heightened. And like you said, they don't want to lose those jobs and they want to play even better so that that next guy who might be better, just as good, if not better, you know, they don't want them to play, you know. So that's why you can't have enough depth. So it's just like if they only come out with Harper as their quote unquote big signing or they're, you know, changing their depth in the wing or outside, that's going to 
piss a lot of people off and it's just like guys we need to make a difference like we can't like i said we have a lot of the same guys and that's good but also you can't just roll the same team out year after year after year after year and expect something to change and that's not okay yeah, um, and, we, and we can't expect some of the younger players coming through like will pinasini's younger brother richard he's um he's definitely a player of the future he'll probably play new south wales cup this year blaze talungi who um you know he's he's now experienced success in the in the lower grades as both a five eight and a center, and he's he'll be um, he's on a development list. Well, he was on it this year, and he'll be on it next year. He'll probably be playing New South Wales Cup. So we've and uh, we've we've got uh, young fullback Upper Upper Twiddle coming through from Jersey Flag. Uh, we can't expect that those players are going to be ready to hit NRL and make a difference in NRL next year out in the out in the back line. So we do have to recruit. You know, th- those players, mm-hmm. they might make their, their impact in 2025 or 2026. They are players of the future, and it's an inexact science, as Forty well understands also, that you know, we, can, we can look at players when they're playing in age football and think, you know, this bloke's going to be an NRL player. I mean, we knew that about Dylan Brown. I think we were as sure as anything about Dylan Brown being, a, a you know, that sort of player. But sometimes you get it very wrong, your impressions of players playing in age football, you know. And, and there's yeah. a whole lot of it that becomes the mental side of the game because, you know, players who, who are going to kick on to be NRL players, it is an amazing commitment that they have to make um, it really becomes that mind game, the physical preparation that they go through with the with the training. It's just completely different to age football coming through the the intensity that's played week to week. But you know, just the just the grind of the full time preparation. There's players that just aren't ready for that, and they can be superstar young players, and. Just mentally, it's it's that that really tough grind aspect. They can't do it. Yeah, yeah, it's. It. I I totally understand. It's a commitment to the players. It's a commitment to the teams to trust these guys or take a risk on them or seek players other other places and develop them for sure. Like I know, uh, forty. He he. I I believe he follows football and baseball in America, and mm-hmm. he's a. Were you a Mariners fan? You said yeah, last Mar- time we talked. Yeah, so Mariners so like, very similar to uh, the Eels in a way between the last two seasons, going from yeah, and, going into the finals and then missing the finals by a narrow margin. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and when it comes to their younger talent, Julio Rodriguez, that mm-hmm. dude was in their system, and he was a high draft pick, I think. I don't know. Some of these baseball guys come out of nowhere. Julio was the international prospects. international draft, so he came out of the, the oh, okay. supplementary pathway. I gotcha. But just like that, like you got this young stud and he's so good and there's a lot of, you know, expectations and all that. And he's fulfilling that. And me as a White Sox fan, I don't know if you follow any of the players on their team, on that team, you got, you got, I'm going to spill a couple names here that you probably love. Eloy Jimenez, Yohan Moncada, uh, Tim Anderson, mm-hmm. uh, Andrew Vaughn. Those guys, even if you don't know them, they're all highly touted. And it's like, oh, we got all these guys. Oh, we're going to be so good in three or four years. Like 60 was saying, like, this guy's projected this. This guy should be good in a couple of you can have all that, but it's not always a guarantee those are those guys are going to pan out, yep. and that's why I'm really frustrated with the White Sox right now because they had this like four year plan, and I don't even get into it. But anyway, though, it's just like you have expectations, and there's still all these uncertainties, and it's just nothing's guaranteed. And uh, another example of that in the NFL is Zach Wilson on the Jets. 
he was a number two draft pick. So he's expected to be the number, if not number two, he's top five. You're supposed to be one of the top five players to play out of that draft. And he's kind of been crap for the most part. Yeah. So just, there is no guarantees. So if you have guys that, you know, will make a difference or you're really strong on them, I think you should give them a chance. But if you don't have that depth, then that's when you got to make a difference and sign these guys. And, uh, if you guys will let me continue a little bit, I'm sorry to keep on talking. I have guys that are from that are able to sign for the next season because I know in the NRL you're able to sign a whole year ahead, which gets confusing whenever yeah, they does. whenever they it say does, yep. this guy signs, this guy signs, yep. and it gets confusing. Like now or next year, like I don't. Uh, these guys are available that I think would be good. Obviously, once I start saying the names for the Eels to maybe target Brand Bradman Best, Nick Meany, Dallin. What te- the Zelezniak from the Warriors? I can't say his name. I apologize if I'm not if I can't get some of these names right. Dane Gagai, Suna Tur- Taruva, that dude on the Panthers. Yeah, that's yep, pretty good. Taruva, yep, he's good. Joey Manu, and uh, obviously he's super good. And then this might be a stretch, but th- I, it could it could tie into the Eels with Joseph Swali'i with the connection to Will Penasini. Obviously, we can't get all these guys, but these guys are available and with the right price tag or maybe a little bit more success this season and it draws attraction and i don't know how the recruiting goes with guys that are available but these are names that i don't want them like i said i don't want them to sign all of them give me like one maybe two you know make a difference make a splash because we're not going to keep rolling out the same thing and expect the same thing or different results i mean no, it's a very, very salient point there and it's something that we've discussed isn't it 60 is about the importance of making maybe not just one but maybe two you know difference making acquisitions across the team uh, let's keep it moving, though, and I'm going to frame this question with the backdrop of obviously the 2022 and 2023 seasons and the night and day difference between the two of those uh, sort of finishes there. But as a person who watches from overseas, from across the globe, did you notice any significant differences in how the EEL supporters express themselves on social media you know, across those two runs? Uh, no, this I didn't really have a lot for this question. No, they, I have a, I'm very pleased with how much they post and the information that comes out. Um, I really don't have anything to change about those things. They post regularly. Um, I get the news updates. I also follow other platforms uh, for the NRL that obviously uh, um, post Eels news. So for the amount of effort I put in myself, which I'm happy about, um, along with the Eels uh, media, social media, they do a good job. They also have fun with it. Like when uh, we had all those free possible free agents before the start of the season, all the different uh, graphics and videos that came out, like the Ryan, or uh, excuse me, Dylan Brown video. That was pretty funny. Uh, that's the only one that comes to the top of my head. But I remember when every different guy would sign, there's always like a fun video or a cool uh, graphic. They do a good job. And uh, yeah, I, I think they do. Yeah, they do good. <laughs> okay. So you, you, you're pretty happy with the, how, how the Eels media communicates to supporters. But yes, we've just had a we've just had a, a, a losing season. Did you notice a difference with the supporters themselves in how they replied to things on social media? Did you was it was it a different experience interacting with um, fellow supporters? Because you know that's how you make your connection with fellow fans. Uh, you know because you are over there in America, um, a lot of your connection is via social media. Um, was there a significant difference that you noticed or was it um, something that you sort of expected given you, you know, following other sports on social media over in, over in the States and, and used to how fans react to losing seasons? Um, I mean, it wasn't different necessarily, but there was a lot more losing this year than prior years that I'm used to. 
So basically, even in those couple good years we just had, you lose a game. There's always those people that the world's ending. This guy stinks. Get rid of the coach. Get rid of this guy. This guy stinks. One guy makes a mistake, and it's his first mistake in like seven games. Oh, this is why he's a bum. We should have got so-and-so. Or why did we resign him? You know, it was nothing different. It was just more of that. And I remember the first game of the season, people were ready just to write the eels off. Like, yeah, they didn't go anywhere in hindsight, but they they lost that game in, uh, what's it called? Golden point time. So yeah. they, uh, it was people were they saying the season was over after that and it was just like that that's what annoys me it'd be different if it was like round 18 and the eels are like six and my math's gonna be off nine and ten or whatever or whatever a losing record and then people are like oh whatever we're not going anywhere it's like well yeah that's obvious and then they lose the first game of the season their first three and people are writing them off and that kind of annoys me um but no i mean it people are there's always going to be the keyboard warriors that that know everything i try to when i comment i try to since it's my face and uh name next to what i'm commenting i try to speak with what i know or what i feel confident in i'm not a coach i've never coached before one of the things i saw all the time was uh brad arthur's this brad arthur's that why did we resign him oh he's a this he's a that and i'm just he, go look at his record it's a really good record look at his success rate like Bill Belichick didn't make the playoffs every single time. Like it's, you're going to have losing seasons. People are going to cry. People are going to get mad. I totally get it. There's expectations. So uh, no, no ultimate difference. It's just with more losing comes more complaining. That's a, that's a good way of putting it. I think in a succinct way. Um, and yeah, we I mean sports in, in sports media in general is always very reactionary. Um, you mentioned mm-hmm. watching NRL 360 earlier. And I was actually going to ask you, uh, how did you feel about NRL 360 versus American sports shows where I know a lot of hot takes sort of drive the agenda there and like first things first or whatever it's called and um, uh, you know a couple of other shows like that. Uh, but I, in saying that, Australian media is also very reactionary and riding off the heels after a couple of games is well within you know, their sort of purview. So um, we'll keep it moving though. Um, and 60s sort of teased this and it's a really cool thing to talk about actually. I was really pleased when you told me that you were doing this, but... I believe you're heading to Vegas for the opening round next year as the NRL heads to America and obviously heads to the city that never sleeps. Uh, but what excites you about excites you, sorry, about seeing the game live and what plans have you made? Because I believe that you're not going alone for the trip. No. Uh, yeah, I am going to Vegas. Um, I'm really excited just to go. Um, I have gone in the past for my 21st birthday with three or four other buddies and we just had a, a pretty cool time. Uh, I went to all the casinos, saw this, saw that went to like a, a dance club. I went to a show, you know, all that kind of stuff. I didn't have uh, the hangover type experience from the movie, but, but, uh, but it was, a, it was right. Right. What stays in Vegas? What happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. No, I didn't have anything like that. So, but it was cool to experience and be in a different state of, in a place I had never been before at the time. So this time around, it's strictly business with the NRL. I'm not doing anything. No, I'm just kidding. But um, no, I'm just going to do a little sightseeing, but mainly it's focusing on this game. I'm going to bring my fiance, and uh, if anyone listened to the prior podcast from last year, um, I met somebody in the Eels Facebook group that I get a lot of information with and contact with. Um, he's also from the United States, and we've talked for the last three years, and we bought tickets together that are going to sit next to each other. We're like dead center, I believe, if I remember correctly, of the stadium in like the third, second or third level. I think it's nice. the second level. Yeah, so I'm going to get like a full view, which is really cool, which we talked about earlier. I did, um, so I'll get to see all those things I mentioned and you guys mentioned. So that's where, we're, that's where I'm sitting. And yeah, I'm bringing uh, – his name's Kent. He's from South Carolina. 
and one, uh, one of his buddies that lives, I believe he said he lives in Las Vegas already. So I don't know who he is, uh, but it's going to be the four of us and it's going to be a, a really good time. And I'm excited just to see those teams, even though it's not the Eels, it's going to be a really, really cool experience, but not, not a whole lot of plans, not a whole lot, just pretty much whatever my fiance wants to do. Cause she's never been there and she doesn't want to do anything crazy. So just probably sightsee, go out to eat to the different restaurants and uh, watch some NRL. Really Sounds like an awesome trip. It, I'm excited. It, so just on that, with I mean that's that's a little microcosm of a of, of people that are going. You've got yourself. You've got in the, you've got into uh, the game. Your fiance who's coming along as part of the trip. You've got two other fellas that you've you've sort of linked up with. Well, one you've linked up with the other fellow who's obviously interested in the game. They've got that that. Um, keen interest in the game but what do you think is going to make up the the stadium there i mean do you think they're going to get that the american public and media are going to embrace the game or do you think it's going to be a lot of curiosity value um do you think there's going to be quite a number of fans who are uh based in america that are just you know been uh champing at the bit to be able to get to a live nrl game i mean how, how do you see it just from any of the what you've seen in in um, social media or, or comments from um, you know local local people, local social media, local media. Um, to be completely honest, I don't know exactly what to expect um, when it comes to the outcome or fans and all those kind of things, like you mentioned. Um, to be honest, again, I really haven't seen any uh, advertising of any sort on ESPN or Fox, American uh, Fox Sports, uh, nothing, or even on social media, unfortunately. Um, I've only seen it on the Fox League that's based out of Australia that I follow and uh, the NRL uh, pages. And some the Eels have posted in the past a little bit here recently too. Um, but that's it. So I'm not really sure what's going to happen. Uh, when it comes to the fans coming to the game, there will obviously be people there. I'm going to assume there's going to be way more Australians there than Americans there. Um, but it is Vegas, and there's always events going on and different things that people are curious about. And it, uh, I said this a lot the last time we talked about the proper advertising, the proper uh, marketing for this is what's going to be key about making this sport big in America. Um because some people might just see it while they're out. They're like, oh, this will be fun, or this will be cool, or like, hey, they're having this event. And I think the problem with that kind of is, and uh, John mentioned it at the beginning of the podcast when we were talking about the rules of rugby league. Um, I'm guilty of this. Uh, in my first year, I was watching the game, one of the games with my buddy, and he's like, you know there's two types of rugby, right? And I was like, what are you talking about? This is it. And he's like, no, you're watching <laughs> rugby league, and then there's rugby. And I was like, what? and he explained it to me, and I felt kind of stupid. But the thing is, in America, there's there, – I'm sure there is Amer uh, rugby leagues out there, and there's also rugby union leagues out there too. The United States has, actually just added a, comp uh, a league, the national – what is it called? The Major League Rugby. And it's – Chicago's got a team that I could go watch, mm -hmm. but it's rugby union rules and whatnot. So I think one of the biggest problems is people don't know that there's two – in America, that there's two types – and a good example of this is uh, one of the, I couldn't tell you which one it was. It was like two fights ago, the UFC fights that were in Australia uh, or New Zealand. One, in, that, in that location, they showed Nathan Cleary on there. Like, you know, they show the celebrities like so-and-so and this yeah. person. They show Nathan Cleary on there. And at the bottom, it said Nathan Cleary. And at the bottom, it said rugby player. 
And then I saw that same freeze frame on like whatever Facebook thing. It might have been a random post. And know what all the comments were? Rugby league. It's not rugby. This isn't rugby. <laughs> it's rugby not, league. It's not they don't know fun. anything. Yeah. UFC doesn't know this. It's <laughs> rugby league. And I'm like, people in America just don't. I think I'd say 97% of Americans that know what rugby is don't know that there's rugby yeah. and rugby league. And I'm one of those people. And I think that's the biggest thing. So they're going to see this as, oh, it's rugby. And even if they don't really know what rugby is, other than it's dudes that hit each other, that's kind of like football, that don't wear pads. The ball is big and white, and they throw it backwards, and they don't call it a touchdown. They call it a try, but they're still kicking. Like That's the basis of what people know um, of the game. That's what I knew until I started watching this, and I thought this was the only form of rugby out there, which it's not. And I much more prefer this game because the other day, actually it was yesterday, I was watching the rugby uh, World Cup that was on EBC, and it was, what was it, New Zealand versus South Africa. And I actually watched like a legit five, uh, 10 to 15 minutes, like legit time watching. I'm like, this is kind of, I, I just wasn't a fan of it. Like they didn't yeah. have to stand back 10 meters. The, they're kicking the ball when, if, correct me if I'm wrong, because I haven't actually dove into the rules. In theory, could the team have the ball the entire time as long as it doesn't go out of bounds mm-hmm. or if they don't, yeah. if, mm-hmm. if they don't score, they could, in theory, they could. In okay, theoretically, they yes, could they, could, the, they could have a single possession in the entire game. Yeah. yeah. Right. And they're kicking the ball here and there. And I'm like, why would they? Why would they do that? They're in the middle of the field. You know, I'm just, I'm trying to follow these rules. And then it's just very confusing. Like I've heard it said on 360 when Swalee was going through that phase or Payne Haas uh, had those rumors. So I was like, okay, well, rugby is completely different and it's slower. And I'm watching this. I'm like, man, dude, they are completely right. I only watched 15 minutes with it. It was very hard for me to follow. And it was a championship type game. So I'm not knocking the sport. Like I'm not going to hate on it. But getting back to my main point, a lot of people in America do not know that there is two types. And this one that we follow and love is very similar in, I would say, multiple ways to American football that helps you learn this game. And once you learn it, then you understand it's different and how much harder it kind of is than NFL football and um, how much I appreciate it. So back to the original, original thing. I think there'll be more Australians there than Americans. If it's uh, advertised properly, there could be more Americans there. Las Vegas is heavily populated for obvious reasons. There's going to be a lot of people there, but I really don't know how the mass majority are going to view it and all those types of things. I think it, nonetheless, it's going to be awesome. I'm super excited. Not, none of the outside stuff is going to change me because I'm just going to be in love the whole time and probably lose my voice. And I'm excited <laughs> to see the top, those, those top teams and just how everything is. And if this thing is uh, advertised how it should, there could be this could blow up. I really think it could, but it just has to be done correctly. And I think this is a first small step. Oh, one thing I saw a recent update: Tom Brady is getting talked about yeah, in regards to, uh, yeah, in regards to uh, this game because he's a part owner of the Las Vegas Raiders around my TV right now in the other room. Uh, I mean, he's a small part owner of it, and it's held in Las Vegas. It's held at the Raider Stadium. It's going to be held at the Raider Stadium. If you if there's commercials, there it is. That's the that could be the perfect marketing. You have enough commercials with Tom Brady yep. with a highlight reel of some of those teams or the top players. You know Tedesco, uh, Latrell Mitchell, and a uh, handful of the Broncos players. To be completely honest, or an old highlight of Teddy Turbo, uh, or to, yeah, uh, Tom Turbo. I don't know why I said Teddy. <laughs> you know th- they could have something there. So I mean, done properly, it could be done well. Do I know if that's going to happen? I do not know. Sorry. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. From a timeline perspective, you would think that they must be getting close to the point where they want to start marketing you start the game. Yeah. You know, because I mean, it, 
there's obviously probably going to be tour packages from Australia where, um, you know, the clubs might be in on it, um, but where there will be, um, you know, packages for flights and accommodation and mm-hmm. you know, making making a trip of it for Australian tourism over to uh, Las Vegas. But, you know, just as, just as much, like you've got people like yourselves who are, who are travelling um, to see the game from elsewhere in America. So there's mm-hmm. a there's internal tourism within America for people to be able to go and see the game. And and given that there, I mean, we certainly saw an influx of uh, of Americans who appreciated the game of rugby league when COVID hit, and rugby league became one of the sports that was still available um, during that whole period. Um, and and played consistently. It, it, there was a real chance to hit the market, but I'm not sure how much rugby league is interested in developing a, a new market, watching the game as, as much as developing a betting market, watching the game. That's the. I mean, that, bet, that's yeah. probably one of the betting the money main is bait. huge. I think it yeah. could it could happen definitely. Yeah. I think it very much definitely could happen. I actually I don't know if I I don't think I messaged 60s about this not this season but the last. I did a eight game parlay and I got fifteen hundred bucks because I bet on whatever week it was and uh, it ended up being the Eels for the last game of that week and I was up at like I stayed up I stayed up <laughs> in like two three in the morning to watch the game and I was like screaming at my TV more than I normally did and I ended up winning and people were like you won fifteen hundred bucks I was like on what and I was like oh rugby league like you want rugby league it was like guys at work and I was like yeah and it's like you just did it randomly I was like no I watched oh wow because you have guys at work that are betting on. Eastern Germany table tennis because they have addictions to, 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 to betting. It's ridiculous. Um, I also had one more thing to say to what you said, 60s, about how them trying to get the jump on advertising this. And it jogged my memory to someone else from Australia, one of the groups, asking me the same exact question. And I think this is actually, I think it is a very good point that's kind of negative towards the game. So obviously in America, NFL is king. It, um, yeah. You know, it is when it comes to other it's sports. It's a big dog. Yeah. Um, yes. Uh, and because of that, uh, in February, the biggest game of the year is played in February, and that's the Super Bowl. And then I believe the NRL starts in mid-March, late March or what, whatever it is. Yeah, yeah, early March. Or, okay, well, then there's that too, early March. Um, so you got the Super Bowl in February that everyone and their mom is going to pay attention to. And then the very next thing in regards to what we're talking about is uh, the, the NRL game in Las Vegas. So in theory, if they don't focus on this game until the last minute, that's very much what could happen because that's all they're going to advertise. And then American baseball starts with spring training, like the preseason others would call it uh, right into that. But obviously this is their chance to make it right there and advertise right after the Super Bowl, because I, you can't see them competing with the Super Bowl, unfortunately, like no. as much as oh, I think yeah. they, they, they should or not, but it's just not how it is, unfortunately. So I think that's one thing that hurts the NRL in regards to the time frame is that it's the Super Bowl and then the, this game. Yeah, that, that's definitely an issue. Um, obviously, I think getting Brady on board, if that is true, is a good move. I mean, he's mm-hmm. like literally one of the most recognizable athletes. And you talk about NFL being the big dog, you know, Brady being arguably the greatest of all time there, even if he's, you know, just doing it for a paycheck, still good to have, his, mm-hmm. have him on board. And even just picking Vegas outside of the betting market uh, stuff and getting, you know, the Vegas money into the game. It's very interesting because Vegas is obviously exploding with uh, sport right now. They've got the Golden Knights killing it. They just picked up the Raiders from Las Vegas, uh, sorry, from Oakland, and they're about to get the Athletics from Oakland as well. So, a lot yeah. of a lot yeah. of sport coming into Vegas. Maybe you can tap into the excitement there. Uh, it remains to be seen, but it is it is exciting uh, to see the code making a move. And there's talk about getting all the big af- uh, big athletes, big actors like Hemsworth and Crow and 
whatnot over there doing some media blitzes to, to pump it up. And I imagine they'll get onto late, late night TV and spooking it on. Uh, I don't even know who the, the big late night guys are anymore, but they'll be out there pumping it and whatnot. And yeah, very, very interesting, which sort of leads me to my last question. And I'm sure Sixies might have a little bit of a, a sort of any follow up or tidy up questions go. But the last question I got for you from me is that one of the great sporting oddities when it comes to just sports in general is that at any given sporting event, you can sort of keep an eye out where's Wally, where's Waldo style. For someone in a South Sydney jersey, that, you know, red and green or myrtle and red uh, sort of colours. But the other jersey that obviously gets run out there is the Parramatta jersey. I think we've seen it at a few different World Cups that are involving rugby league and a few different sporting events. So can we expect you to be wearing your blue and gold out there at a Vegas and catching on the camera, maybe? Oh, yeah. Well, that part I can't predict. But, yeah, oh, yeah, I'm definitely <laughs> – even even though uh, the Eels aren't playing and I hope they play in another year or two because I'll for sure try to go then. Yeah, I'm going to wear my Eels jersey for sure. I have all three from this season. I have one or two from the last season. Once once they start updating, you know, I'm, I might have to jump – I always have to jump on the, the one I like. But, yeah, for sure I'm wearing my jersey. I'm going to have to probably give one to my fiancé. And then the <laughs> uh, guy I mentioned earlier, Kent, that's from South Carolina, he's like – I'll tell him I got a new jersey. He's like, oh, I'm going to have to get one. I'm going to have to get one. And then once we book this, he's like, yeah, so I'm definitely going to have to get one now so I can wear it. Because obviously people are probably going to say something to us. Maybe some dude that's from Australia that's a, a Rabbitohs fan that's going to say, like, something to me, and I'm going to start talking in an American accent. i like, whoa, what the? And then, you know, start. it'll be a conversation starter in itself. Also, yeah, it'd be kind of cool to see if we do make it on TV, um, just the, the array of uh, different things. Because I think there's obviously going to be a lot of people there from Australia that aren't Rooster, yeah, yeah. Rabbitohs, Broncos, Sea Eagles fans. Like, so for sure, I'm definitely going to do that. You know, I think it's going to be one of those games where it's going to be a, such a melting pot of supporters that you're mm-hmm. probably going to find yourself talking and mixing with people with a range of accents and um, a range of different jerseys that they're wearing. I, I think it's probably going to be. Uh, you know, really fun experience to be at, and um, uh, you know, especially in the 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 before and after, maybe some of the bars and uh, pubs around uh, Vegas before and after the game, and um, I, I don't know whether you're going to have those um, sorts of what do they call them um, tailgate parties or whatever that okay. uh, yeah that yeah or in NFL games um, mm-hmm. uh, yeah it'd be it'd be interesting what the whole experience is. Like, I mean, we're, we're looking forward already to be able to catch up with you after the event just to just to talk about what your uh, weekend was like mm-hmm. with that and, well, and, you know, what happened. Well, that's the thing. I, you know, what we said earlier, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. So who knows if I'm going to let you know. <laughs> we might, yeah, we might have to get the stripped down uh, version. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'm just for sure. That'll really, that'll really excite me, and I'll let you guys know for sure. I'm excited. I don't know what to expect because I actually, I actually thought about this not too long ago. What if I'm there at just some random casino, <laughs> and it's like because I think we haven't bought the tickets for the flight or the hotel yet, but we got the tickets for sure. I got it. But uh, what if? Because I'm trying to go on like a Friday, either that Thursday, Friday, or the Friday. I plan Saturday and for sure leave Sunday. But what if I'm at a random casino and I'm just enjoying myself or my fiance? We're walking around. And I see like freaking Teddy Tedesco right there. And he's just doing whatever he wants to do. And there's a billion Americans around him other than his uh, entourage there. And I'm just like, that's, should I like go ask him for an autograph? Should I take a hundred percent? I'm like, yeah, does anybody know who this is? Nobody knows who this, you know, just there, you know, they're, they're Latrell Mitchell just enjoying it. Like, I don't want to be a weirdo or annoying fan, but uh, I'm, I, it'd be funny to be in that scenario where like, there's a superstar right here and, 
I'm like the only person in the 10 feet radius who has any idea who this guy is or so on and so forth. So it's going to be a good time. Yeah, it was, it, it does remind me of a, a, a funny story of my, my, um, my parents and uh, auntie and uncle were, they were out somewhere in country New South Wales at a pub. And um, there was a, a fellow who was a, um, quite a, a star of the game named Sam Bacco, mm-hmm. who uh, I think he'd, he'd only just, might have only just retired from the game. But he, w- he was a Queenslander, um, played, but played a bit um, down in uh, Canberra, I think, from memory as, as well. But anyway, they're at this pub out in the bush and they look over and they, one of them said, I think that's Sam Bacco over there. And he <laughs> overheard them and came over to their table and said, yes, it's me. <laughs> and, and then sat down with them to have a, have a, a, a drink and a chat and, and what have you that, you know, like it was, um, it was quite a, quite a moment for them, you know, like he's this, uh, you know, uh, former superstar, well-known player, but uh, is really quite a knock around sort of bloke. And, you know, hears them say his name. Yes, it's me. It's me. <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> yeah. So uh, look, mate, we really appreciate you coming on and having a bit of a chat about um, your takes on what's happening in rugby league and what's happening with the Eels and, and about this Vegas trip. It's, it's really obviously going to be a, a, a big focus of the start of next year. And as I said, we're looking forward already to catching up with you after the uh, event and, and seeing what the, what, what the entire experience was like, you know, the, the vibe around it, the, you know, whether it's, whether you think it's going to help rugby league to kick on in some way, be it either with a following or with just with betting or whatever the case may be. So thanks for joining us again today, mate. And, um, uh, yeah. Oh, and you know, we will certainly be looking forward to any photos that you've got from, from that event. Oh, for sure. I will definitely, well, first of all, thank you for letting me come on. I appreciate it. It's a lot of fun. Like I said earlier, I also don't get to talk about almost any of this stuff to anybody. (laughs) So it's really nice to get it out and voice my opinions and, learn and speak to you guys in the back and forth. And I listen to you guys religiously whenever anyone pops out. Um, so I, I, this is really fun and exciting for me in itself just right now. And uh, going forward, yeah, I'd love to come on again. And I, I'm more than willing. You don't got to pull, uh, pull my arm on it. And uh, for sure, <laughs> after, after Vegas, I'll for sure to uh, let you in on all the pictures and the events and what went down. Maybe I'll be on TV. I'll try to find uh, what's his name, Braith Brat, the the guy from 360. Yeah, Braith. I can't yep. say these names. Yep. Braith uh, is, a, is yeah. a definitely an odd first name though, so don't blame me there. There's not to me, Braith, <laughs> not to me, Braith running around in the world. <laughs> so maybe I'll be on some sort of media coverage, or at least be in the background with the sign or something. But I'm looking forward to it, and I, I will for sure let you guys know. And th- again, thank you for letting me be on this. It's Always awesome. Pleasure, yeah, and, and, and I'll tell you what, if you end up like if you're walking past and someone grabs you from Australian media for a bit of a chat. You've, you've got to say, oh, shout out to my fellow Eels supporters, the Cumberland Throw. <laughs> oh, for sure. For sure. I'll, for sure. I'll, I'll say 60s and 40-20 and the whole, the whole, Clint and the whole game. And yes. uh, I'll, I'll, I'll throw Spiro out there too. Yes. <laughs> yes, good man. <laughs> well, then, then, then you definitely know that you've made it when, you know, you can throw Spiro's name out there. <laughs> yeah, I, I miss him on the show. I like his taste. Yeah, yeah Spiro, uh, yeah. Spiro was a, a great uh, foil for us, but um, 
I mean, unfortunately for us, but fortunately for him, moving on to bigger and better things. So it's always good we can have him back on the show, but the young man is doing very well in his career, which is fantastic. Oh, yeah, yeah. You you, you uh, wouldn't be aware of this, but, um, you know, he's he's the the work that he's doing on radio now and in the in in the coverage of rugby league on uh, 2GB he's um yeah he's he's heading for a massive future in the game it's um and and he is mind you he's still the same bloke you know he's mm. he's he's a he's a he's a pretty humble and he's fellow and he's uh, and he's a really good human and so, speaking uh, of humble never would have made it where he was without tct obviously you know, stay humble <laughs> oh for sure for sure he's probably gonna end up uh, overtaking what's that guy's name jake duke on the sideline he'll probably overtake his job yeah, yeah well, he's, he's definitely uh in that sort of trajectory he's going to be uh somewhere some, be awesome. somewhere high up uh, not too far off yeah yeah he'll yeah. look he'll, he'll probably end up calling the game in all seriousness oh that'd be that'd be so cool Okay, mate, thanks again for being on the podcast. Yeah, sixties always a pleasure to have Ron on the show. And it is really cool to get that perspective from America on the Australian product. And I hope he has an absolute blast in Vegas. Yeah, a little bit jealous of... <laughs> Just a little bit. ...go to such an event. I mean, obviously, there's no Parramatta involved in it. But I think just the... The spectacle, yeah, the, the... The spectacle, yep, yeah. yep. The, you know that there's going to be such a... a broad spectrum of people that are going to be there at the game and it it, it will be great I'm, I'm really looking forward to how the game is covered mm-hmm. and not just the matches themselves but the I guess the vibe leading up to it um, getting uh, getting the media around the people that are attending the game because I I'm really curious as to as to who's going to be there the, the mix of it we know that there's going to be Aussies there that travel to watch the game. There's going to be expats there that will be at the game, but it's going to be interesting to have to hear from local fans like Ron. At, you know what what drew them to being there at the game? Are they there for curiosity value? Have they become NRL fans? Have they got a club? Why did they become NRL fans? Why did they start following a particular club? I think I mean, um... we. I think we're going to be uniquely positioned too to get a real on the ground response to that, you know, those questions and the feeling around the event. Like how many neutrals were there? How many Americans were there? I think Ron's going to give us a, a fantastic insight into how the event plays out in terms of not just the Australians going across and the show from our, our end, but how it was received from America. Oh yeah, absolutely. And that's why I'm, I'm really looking forward to catching up with Ron after the event, just to, find out how you know how he related that to seeing live live american sport just to you know make that comparison and um and see what he what he thought the reaction of fellow spectators was i mean we're gonna we we're obviously going to get grabs of that from the media coverage of the event as well but yeah being able to talk to someone and really get an in-depth chat about it because we we're obviously going to just get grabs from people through, via the media. Um, but yeah, and the fact that we're not to, getting the the Australian lens, which I think can be you know a bit of a bias there, because they're going to try and gas up the uh, the whole spectacle and see how amazing it was, and be able to get someone like Ron who understands rugby league, but can also give us that American context and tell us how it was honestly received by Americans is going to be very very cool. Yeah, and I, I guess it, it'll give us a a bit of an idea about what sort of 
appetite there is for future events. I, I don't see that it's going to be something where there's going to be more than this sort of event played in America, uh, like make it that annual event. But um, still, it's it'll be interesting to see what uh, what his takes are on on what's transpired um, after the event. And um, yeah, really, as I said, really looking forward to that. So we thank him again for his time in today's podcast. Hope everyone uh, enjoyed listening to uh, the Ron's opinions on things, not just on Parramatta, but on rugby league in general, because this is really someone who's new to the game. And, and we wanted his takes on what it was, not just about Parramatta, but the game in general this year that he, he found entertaining to watch. And I think when he was talking about the players that he enjoyed watching, that you were able to hear that there were players uh, across different clubs that really got his attention as a supporter and that, that gave him enjoyment in watching uh, particular players and particular teams, uh, the way they played. And, and maybe that sort of gives an idea to uh, clubs about how they market the game or market the players within within their team to appeal to as wide an audience as possible. So, um, yeah, hopefully, as I said, people enjoyed that. Again, thank you to uh, our sponsors, uh, Big Swing Golf North Mead and Star Partners Real Estate, Auburn, Norellan and Parramatta. Um, these wonderful supporters of the Cumberland Throw make it possible for us to do what we do. So uh, we're really appreciative of uh, their continued support of the Cumberland Throw. John, thank you as well for making yourself available for this uh, podcast as always and for doing your fine job as host of TCT's podcast. Yes, fine job in inverted commas. Now, always a blast. Great episode. Thank you, 60s. Catch you guys in the next one.